0: Welcome to Mountain Grace, the weekly sermon from me, John White, priest at St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Camillus, New York. Today we're talking about the spiritual discipline of waiting. reading today is from Second Thessalonians. Now we command you, beloved, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to keep away from believers who are living in idleness and not according to the tradition that they received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you, and we did not eat anyone's bread without paying for it, But with toil and labor we worked night and day, so that we might not burden any of you. This was not because we did not have that right, but in order to give you an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this command, anyone unwilling to work should not eat. For we hear that some of you are living in idleness, mere busybodies, not doing any work. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Brothers and sisters, do not be weary in doing what is right. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Earlier this week, we uh, we decided to go to Coles, and for some reason, there's not a Coles on the west side, so we had to go over to Fayetteville. Fayetteville, right? Um, So we went over to Fayetteville to go to Coles, and so it was in the evening time after dinner, and the whole family were driving over, and we you know went across 690 and 481. We got off on Route 5 to get the last mile of Coles, and as we're getting off 481 and on to Route 5 my son who's five says oh, are we there yet we've been driving for hours <laughs> I'm like well more like 15 minutes but you know kids if you have kids or have been with kids you know they are not good at waiting that's really just not their strong suit And for kids it's really hard because it feels like, I think, when you're a child that you're always waiting for something. You're waiting for school to start, you're waiting for school to end, you're waiting for summer vacation, you're waiting to go to camp, you're waiting for your birthday, you're waiting for Christmas, you're waiting to go see grandma and grandpa, you can't wait to leave grandpa and grandma's house. There's always something to wait for, you're gonna turn 10, double digits, you're gonna be a teenager, you're gonna learn to drive, you're gonna turn 18 and suddenly you'll know everything and no one can tell you what to do. (laughs) So much waiting for children, right? And, and, and they struggle with it. And the truth is, I think, that as grown-ups, we actually aren't really any better at waiting than kids are. But there are two things working in our favor. One is, is that as we get older, there are fewer milestones for us to look forward to. So we don't, for most of us anyway, we're, we're not still in school. We're not waiting for summer vacation. We don't really have a lot of milestone birthdays that we're really looking forward to, right? And so that's, that's helpful. But the other thing is, is that when we're older, that we've, we've learned somehow to sort of temper our anxiety around waiting for things to happen, right? We hopefully learn to be good at waiting. But my experience in traffic suggests that most of us are not good at waiting right? Or if you're in line it's going to be Christmas soon and you're in line at the Walmart and for some reason they have 32 checkout counters and eight people who work up there and you're waiting and people get frustrated. It's easy to lose patience when we're waiting. And these readings that we look at today they especially this letter from Paul to the Thessalonians and, and the story about Jesus in the temple are, are kind of really about waiting and about doing it well, or mostly in this case, not doing it very well. And as Christian people, you know, we are getting ready to enter into the season of Advent, which is a whole season of the church year, right? A whole month dedicated to learning how to wait, Good waiting, waiting well. That's what Advent is about. So clearly, as Christian people, there is something to be learned about waiting that is important in our life of faith. So if we go back to that story that Paul is writing about in that letter to the people of Thessalonica, what we have found is that there are people who have heard the good news and they have given themselves over to Jesus. And as far as they're concerned, that's it. We're good to go now. We don't have to do anything else. We're just going to sit around and wait for Jesus to come. We're not going to contribute in any way. And Paul writes to them and tells them, no, no, no. That's, That's not what you're being called into. That's not good waiting. That when you accept Jesus, it's not like some magical ticket for the train to heaven to arrive. And you don't have to do anything until that day. That this faith thing that you've been called into actually comes with some responsibilities. That there are things to be done. In fact, you are people created with purpose. And you are gathered together in community so that you might find and fulfill that purpose. That each of us has something to contribute to the life of the community, to the life of faith. Now, some of us have, have busier roles. Some of us have less busy roles. But all of us have something needful, something necessary that we can contribute. We can pray. That's the most important thing we can do. And as we've talked about before, there are certainly other tasks that are helpful. But we are also all called to serve, to encounter people in need and to respond in love. That this following Jesus thing, Paul says, is not something that is passive. It's not something that you can just sort of idly let pass by. That it is something that you are asked to be a part of. If we were to use the analogy of like a sports game, in Christianity there are no spectators. Everyone is on the field. Right? We are all called We all have purpose. We all have something to contribute. And Paul reminds the believers of Thessalonica that that is the essence of Christian faith. In the story of Jesus, there's also a story about waiting because Jesus this is in the final days of Jesus's life. He's returned into Jerusalem. They've already, you know, done the thing that we're going to celebrate on Palm Sunday where everybody's excited that Jesus has arrived and and they've overthrown the money changers tables in the temple and Jesus has been debating with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and and various people who who don't understand who Jesus is, and the crowds are all excited, and he's sitting around with the disciples across the street, I'm assuming from the temple, which is this huge, beautiful, golden edifice, right? The stone that they quarry in that part of Israel has this sort of golden hue, so I'm sure it's like shimmering and gold sitting up there on the hill, and it's glorious and bright and sunny. And, And they look at that, and the thing is with the disciples... They still, at this point in the story, days before Jesus' death, don't truly understand who this is that they have committed themselves to. That they still, in their hearts, think that Jesus is there to lead an actual military revolt. That he's going to gather up an army of people with arms and, in a battle, a literal battle, defeat the Romans and the oppressive overclass, and take over. And so as the disciples look at the glory of the temple and the beauty of the city, what they're really thinking is, pretty soon, we're going to be in charge. All of this is going to be ours. It can't, we can't wait. We can't wait until we're on top, and those people that have been making our lives miserable are under our heels. And so Jesus, similar to Paul, of course, reminds them here that that's not what they are waiting for. They, too, are engaged in, in bad waiting. Their waiting is the waiting of covetousness. They want to be on top. They want to be in charge. They want all of the goods accrued to themselves. And they're waiting for Jesus to say the word so they can pick up their swords and clubs and, and take over. And Jesus says, you see all this beautiful stuff? This wonderful, magnificent temple, this glorious city that we are sitting in, all of these signs of wealth and power, they're all going to disappear. Not a stone will be left on stone. That all of these things that you are coveting, that you can't wait to have as your own, those things are meaningless. They have no real value. And he reminds them the same way that Paul reminded the people of Thessalonica that there is a difficult path ahead. That following Jesus is not a passive commitment, but it is an active invitation to take up Jesus' work. And Jesus tells them there's going to be wars, and there's going to be insurrections, and there's going to be famines and plagues, and some of you will suffer because of your commitment To my way of love. But stand firm. Continue that work. Hold fast to the faith, the commitment you're holding on to the promise of God to deliver you in the midst of whatever the world can throw at you. That there are things that we are called to do. And if you are to follow me, you can't follow me sitting on a couch. But you must get up And with your hands and feet, continue my work in this world. And that's the kind of waiting that we are invited into. It's not a waiting of wishing that things were going to be magically made better. And it's not a waiting where we are impatient for what is to come. And it's not a waiting where we are idle and just expect the rewards to fall upon us. It is a waiting that is engaging. It's about being involved in our faith in a way that makes a difference in the world around us. And that we come together in this place to be lifted up to help us discover and hone these gifts. Because, as I said, we, we all have something to share in the life of Christian community and to the world. That we have something magnificent and beautiful to offer a world that is sometimes dark and scary and fearful. And what Jesus has is, is that no matter what happens to you, I will be with you. That God's love for you is unfailing. And that you can be assured that whatever the earth has to offer to stand in your way, whatever obstacle is placed between you and your loving response in the world, even death itself cannot truly stand. That I have offered you this promise through faith of eternal, everlasting love and life. Take that gift and use it. Be the light in the darkness. Be the saltiness of the earth. Be people of hope and healing and reconciliation and never, ever let anything stand in the way of your love. Amen.